Welcome to the Nonprofit Hero Factor, a weekly live video broadcast and podcast where we'll be helping nonprofit leaders and innovators create more heroes for their cause and a better world for all of us. Ding. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for the very first episode of the Nonprofit Hero Factory. I'm excited where this adventure is going to take us as each week I'll be welcoming experts and thought leaders in the fields of nonprofit digital strategy. We're going to be talking to them about various things from their uh, strategies that they see working out there and that they're helping their own clients or their organizations enact in the realms of online communications, marketing, fundraising, their uh, attempts at creating greater efficiencies and maximizing resources, developing and delivering new programs. For example, right now, as I'm recording this, we're in the heart of the COVID-19 lockdown, and a lot of nonprofits have had to adjust their programming very quickly, adjust the way that they serve their clients. So things like that, not just within the lockdown and uh, pandemic mode, but throughout their organizational cycles, as well as finding ways to generate additional revenue. So uh, throughout all this, we're going to be keeping an eye on storytelling and on technology. The reason being, uh, well, I believe that those are the greatest tools that you can use to really increase your reach, your impact, and make a better world for all of us. Me, my name is Boris Kievsky, and I am the chief storyteller and nerd for good at .org Strategy, where I help organizations do just that, harness those powers at the intersection of story and technology. The reason is I am a geek at heart and one of the um, one of the guiding principles of my career has been uh, the quote by Archimedes that if you give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum to place it on, I can move the world. Really, that's my goal. And I know that that's the goal for all of you working in nonprofit to change the world in some way. Well, for me, the fulcrum is storytelling and the lever that's technology. Well, why story? Um, instead of just talking about my own theories about it, I'd love to share a couple of quotes. The first is from Daniel Kahneman. He is a Nobel laureate in economics, but he's also the father of behavioral economics and behavioral psychology. Along with Amos Tversky, they published a whole lot of papers that are really fascinating. If you're interested in the subjects, I highly recommend them. Uh, the quote that I'd like to cite, though, is Daniel said, no one ever made a decision because of a number. They need a story. In their work together, they realized that people don't make decisions very logically. They tell themselves stories in their minds, and based on those stories, they take actions. The second quote is by Yuval Harari, author of Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. Uh, Yuval actually credits storytelling specifically as the reason for our not just survival, but dominance on the planet. There were a lot of competing uh, animals, a lot of competing humanoids, hominids, whatever we want to call them. Why did Homo sapiens survive and thrive and become the dominant life form? He says it's because we were best able to tell stories. So we use those stories to bind ourselves in communities, whether they be family units tribes or global societies, we tell stories and based on those stories, we bond, we trust each other and we're able to move forward. It's a really powerful tool. Technology, well, technology allows those stories to reach a lot further, for one. They, uh, it also allows them to find the exact right audience that you need at any given time to support your cause, right? There are 
billions and billions of people on this planet. Um, increasingly, more of them have access, personal access to technology, whether it be on their smartphone or on their computer or tablet, whatever it is. And they may have different interests and different concerns. Your organization might speak to a very small percentage of the population of the world, but if you find that percentage, even if it's 0.1%, well, that is a whole lot of people, millions and millions of people who are there with you, ready to support you and go up your uh, ladder of support to becoming champions for your cause and, of course, becoming donors along the way. So together, technology and uh, storytelling can really, I think, change the world for good if used uh, by nonprofits who have the right intentions at heart. So uh, with that, I guess I'll tell you a little bit more about myself and why I really believe in those uh, on a little personal level. I'll try to keep this brief so uh, we can uh, move on to the, to the other things that I'd like to talk about today. But um, well, I was born in the former Soviet Union, country that no longer exists in Ukraine specifically. So now Ukraine is an independent country, of course. Uh, but back then, it was the Soviet Union a place where everyone was supposed to be equal, but uh, as we like to say, some were more equal than others. Fortunately for me and my family, my parents decided to leave the Soviet Union when they could, uh, which was not an easy decision to make, leaving behind everything that they knew and every one that they knew and loved. Um, I remember the day that I found out we were moving to America. I didn't know anything about America. I was just five years old. My sister, however, she was already in first grade at the age of seven. And I vividly remember when my father told both of us, told my sister specifically, that we were moving to America. My sister, in her school uniform, still just home from school, sat down at the kitchen table and started crying. She started begging my dad not to take us to America, anywhere but America, preferably not a capitalist country, but if a capitalist country at all, please, daddy, not America. Well, my father, he shrugged it off, laughed it off, whatever you might uh, call it. And he asked her, why? Why are you so worried about America? And she said that in her books, uh, and her teachers have explained that in capitalist countries, parents don't love their children that they cast them out in America specifically, they cast them out to dig through garbage bins for uh, little scraps of bread. And that's how children have to survive in America. Well, obviously that wasn't true, but that was the story that they were teaching everyone. And it was a powerful story that uh, lasted with my sister for a long time. Fortunately, we did come to America and it is an amazing place where uh, we have a lot of opportunities. But to get to those opportunities, it took me a long road myself. Um, as you might imagine, moving to Brooklyn in the 1980s, in the heart of uh, the evil empire era, as Reagan uh, termed the Soviet Union at the time, was challenging. There were not a lot of Russian-speaking kids in my class um, or even in my school or in my neighborhood. I barely spoke English, of course, when I entered public school with a name like Boris with big ears. I definitely looked different. I sounded different. And I was the enemy. If you watched Rocky Four, if you watched uh, Top Gun or uh, Red Dawn, right? The Russians, the Soviets, they were the ones who were going to destroy America and the entire, the entire world. So naturally, a lot of kids were afraid of me because that was the story that they heard. 
I got challenged to fights a lot, chased home by gangs, literally uh, chased home from school um, by teen gangs who, well, let's just say they didn't want to be friends with me. I was fortunate that I developed two really good friends, uh, Charlie and David. Charlie introduced me to comic books and the world of heroes, people who can rise up above their station, people who can do amazing things despite any kind of limitation. And that was a fantastic world to escape to. The other escape came from my friend David. David was a computer science nerd before there was such a thing. <laughs> he, by the age of, se of 10, was already programming in assembly language. And he encouraged me to learn the same. So uh, with my birthday money for my 10th birthday and a lot of help from my parents, I bought my very first computer, a TRS-80 Color Computer Model 2 with, I think it was 16 kilobit or kilobytes of RAM, can't remember now. Computers became my escape. I was able to not only create worlds for myself with David, we were programming Ninja Madness and other video games. I was also able to later find communities online with these uh, BBSs, bulletin board systems, early websites or forums, whatever you want to call them. I was able to meet a, a whole lot of people outside of my block, my uh, area of Brooklyn, people who had similar interests to me, intellectual interests, uh, political interests, exchanged jokes and ideas with them, files sometimes, those were exciting. Um, and the best part was no one knew my name, not my real name anyway. No one knew that I was a Russian kid. No one even knew my age. It became uh, such a great escape for me that I was in love with computer science very early on. It took me to uh, one of the top science and math high schools in the country and one of the top computer science programs in the country where, uh, much to my parents' chagrin, I got burnt out. So technology took me very far. But halfway through my sophomore year, I felt like something was lacking. I was curious about the human side of things, the qualitative side of the world. And I took a, a very sharp 180 degree turn and wound up in acting and theater. I studied theater for the for three years and graduated with a BFA in theater, then went to London and got a postgraduate degree in acting and musical theater. All the while, I loved diving into characters, learning what it's like to be someone else, not me, wondering what makes them different from me and what makes them similar. And I witnessed the power that stories through live theater and then later in film and television could have upon a viewer a willing participant, whether it's just sitting back on a couch or active in a, in a show or even participating in improv, how living vicariously through other characters and situations, we can expand our worldview, our perceptions, our uh, preconceptions, our insecurities even, and our ignorance, and expand our minds to include others as humans, not just as someone else. Uh, I fell in love with that aspect of things. I eventually moved out to Hollywood where 
I was doing a lot of acting, but also started writing and directing and really studying the Hollywood version of storytelling, right? This is a formula that had been perfected over over 100 years. And I say perfected because while not every Hollywood movie is a blockbuster hit, there are enough of them. They make trillions of dollars a year around the world that I think it is uh, safe to say they know what they're doing. And what I discovered was that every Hollywood movie, most movies in general, follow a Hollywood formula. And I'll be talking about that in future episodes. No time, to, no reason to spend time right now delving into it. But when it came time to um, stop acting, and there were various reasons why, one of them was most of the roles I was getting was uh, what my mother affectionately referred to, yet another Russian mafioso. When it came time to uh, stop spending more of my money than I was making in making movies, including uh, a lot of documentaries that I was working on, I figured out a way to combine the two passions, the two sides of my life, the qualitative and the quantitative, the computer science nerd and the storyteller who loves uh, engaging with people on a one-to-one and one-to-many basis and found a job with a nonprofit organization where I could do their storytelling online, where I could capitalize on my, my skills on both sides of things and help them with their websites, their social media, their newsletters, whatever it might be to grow their presence. And I found this amazing that all of these things that I had been working on throughout my life had these practical applications that had additional benefits for people beyond me and beyond the organization. Um, I, at that point, started taking on additional clients on the side, eventually converting my uh, in-house job to a consultancy that I still maintain to this day and I'm very grateful for the organization. So my goal with this show is to help everybody realize the potential and the power of those two, uh, those two elements of my ideal Archimedes lever. So you'll be seeing people on this, on this show, on this podcast, if you're listening online, that are going to be talking to all of these different things. They might be leaders in technology or experts in uh, helping you um, talk to your board or in fundraising and development or revenue generation. They might even just be behavioral scientists whose uh, approaches can really help nonprofits shape their internal culture and their outward-facing um, uh, engagement and communications. I'm really excited at uh, a lot of the guests that are already lined up, but if you think that you might be one of the people who can really add value to, uh, obviously, this audience that I'd love to uh, help, then please come on over to nphero.factory.com and uh, fill out the form to become a guest. If you're just listening, I hope you'll go to mphero.factory.com and join our mailing list. Check out the show notes every episode is going to have, including this one, where I'll have recommendations for some of the books that, and authors that I was just talking about, and some action steps. Each, every, each and every episode is going to have action steps that you can take by going to the website or just tuning in and, and jotting them down to get your organization moving forward to increase your impact in helping more people. That's really all I want to say today. I thank you so much again for joining me, and I hope you will join me for many, many episodes to come. And thank you most of all for doing all of the amazing work you do to help my world be a better place and everyone's world be a better place. Take care.